Good morning. We ready to have some fun today? You know, times are changing. Uh, it's probably been a little over a month ago. Uh, well, in September, God gave me this message. And I was excited about it because I liked it. The next thing I'm thinking about, okay, is this from God or is this something that I just want to do because I, I like the topic or I like where it's going? And so I wrestled with it. So I got this in September, and today's November 12th, 13th. So all that time I've been marinating, thinking about it, and we've had a lot of great messages since then. We had Pastor Lori talk about you know the difference between the millennials and Gen Z and whatever the next other generation is. And so I'm in the back, I spend a lot of time in the back, and this was after she preached. And here comes, just to say how times are changing, here comes Pastor Lori walking from there, and I'm sitting there, and she throws up this. And first thing that popped in my mind, she is throwing up gang signs. But what that stands for is young life, and I'm sure she throws it up to all the kids and all that. So, I'm thinking, man, she's throwing up gang signs. Well, i got to be cool too. So I threw her up the only gang sign I know. Thumbs up. But that was my little joke for today. So let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for this day, Lord. We thank You for the praise and worship. We thank You for Your presence, Lord, Your Holy Spirit, Your presence and power. And Lord, I just pray right now that I would get out of the way my emotions, my will, my mind, Lord, I ask You to set it all aside. That from this point on, it will be Your Holy Spirit and Your Holy Spirit over. And Lord, I pray that our hearts as a congregation will be open to receive what You have for us this day. Because You love us. And You want for us to grow. And I just give You all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And as I said, I got this message in September. So, you know, I'm thinking about it. You know, uh, is it me? Is it God? And so, you know, that's my main focus in prayer. So, he gave me a picture in my mind. And what I saw was two hands, a box. And he did this. My focus was on the puzzle pieces. I thought, okay. Because see, he, he, he changed it up on me. He gave me two, two topics he wanted me to talk about. I've never done that before in my life. You know, I, I'm not good at multitasking. You give me one task, I can do it great. And then once I get done with it, you give me another task, I can do it great. But if you give me two at the same time, my brain starts to smoke, wiring starts to fry, and usually bad things happen. But that's all I saw was right there. So the only thing that I knew for sure at that time that that was a hundred piece puzzle. That's all I knew. So I said, okay, God, that means this message is a puzzle, and you're going to help me put it together. That 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 settled it in my spirit. Okay, we're going for this. 
I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping out of anything that I know. And I'm totally relying on God. So that set it in my spirit. So I was going full full bore. God, you got to do it. You give me the Scriptures, you give me everything and I'll do it. I don't know if it was a week later, but once again I was in the back. It may have been the same time uh, I was talking about Pastor Lori. But I was, I was walking across the back and I saw this picture again in my head. And I saw a figure in there doing that, picking them up, down, kind of digging through them. And this time he spoke to me. This time he said, this is my puzzle. And everybody that speaks from behind this pulpit is a piece of the puzzle. When I get this puzzle put together, it's going to be a beautiful picture of the future. So I started... So I, so I, that's Stop me dead in my tracks. Okay, God, this is your puzzle. I started paying attention to them. I really, okay, when I'm listening to the message, I'm looking, thinking, what's the puzzle piece here? What's the puzzle piece God is wanting to use? And at, towards the end, I'm, I'm going to tell you some of them that I feel that was the puzzle pieces. But today, uh, you're going to hear me use the word humiliation. You're going to hear me use the word shameful. Now, I'm not talking about the spirits of that because I've spent a lot of time on the line of cleansing stream casting them out. I'm talking about what society says is shameful or humiliating. Maybe what the religious may say is shameful or humiliating. That's what I'm talking about. And also, I want to direct your attention to this picture of Jesus on the right and this picture of Jesus on the left. I just want you to get a good look at that, and especially how He's dressed. That's the important thing I want you to notice. How is Jesus dressed in these pictures? And the title of my message is, How Far Are You Willing to Go? And... uh, We'll start out with some Scripture. We'll be in 2 Samuel. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michelle, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Okay. Just a side note, I looked up probably four or five other uh, types of Bible, like the King James, New King James translation. And all of them used vulgar fellow, even the Amplified. You know, the Amplified will take one word and it'll give you a whole extra paragraph. Even the Amplified said vulgar fellow. 
Why was she so upset? Why was she, now some of you may know, some of you may not know, and I'm going to get into that. Why was she so upset? The king. I mean, she's saying stuff to get her killed. She's so upset. So I want to get back to, he is, okay, David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father and anyone from your house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humbled in my own eyes, but these servant girls you spoke of will hold me in honor. So what's going on here? I asked you to notice how Jesus is dressed in those two pictures. Well, that's how kings dress. They had their robes clear to the, clear to the ground. So how can you go jumping and leaping and dancing dressed like that? You're going to spend more time picking yourself up off the ground than you are dancing and leaping because you're going to be stepping on your clothes. You're going to be falling over. You're going to have situations. So when, when they're bringing the ark in, David's like, man, I'm being restricted. I can't rejoice. I can't praise the Lord like I want to. I've got to get this stuff off. I've got to get these robes off. So I can jump and leap and not worry about falling on my face. See, society said he should, he should be dressed a certain way. The culture of that time said he should be dressed. He's a king. He, he, this is your standard. You're a king. But see, David went to his de default system and said, yeah, I'm king, but I'm going to worship God. We see one other time that David had issues with the culture. And that was when he went up against Goliath. Because Saul says, Saul, I'll take this guy out. So what's Saul do? Saul puts all of his armor, everything on him that a soldier needs to go into battle. He walks around with, I, I can't fight in this. I can't even move in this stuff. So he shed it all off. He took his staff, five stones, and a sling and went and fought the giant. Once again, it was restricting him. He couldn't move. He couldn't do the things he needed to do. So he shut it off. He said, I, 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 can't, I can't work in this stuff. Here you go. I'll, come, I'll go to my default system. And when... Let's get the definition of, of vulgar. Lacking a sophistication or good taste, unrefined. So that's what she's calling David. He's unsophisticated, he doesn't have good taste, and he's unrefined. What she should have said is, you're an unsophisticated, unrefined shepherd. Because shepherds was on the low rung of the totem pole. And you see, that was what his default system was. All those years that he spent with the sheep, he learned what it meant to be a shepherd. And it wasn't the things that the culture says you got to wear. It wasn't the things that the culture said you had to do. It was him and God. 
That's what it was. So He broke through all that. So my question today is, what's restraining us? What's holding us back to fulfilling 100% of what we need to do for God? It may be something that, that you learned a long time ago. It may have been a pastor who said, well, this is the way things are done. This is the way you do it. I don't know how many, you know, I, I've, I've preached several messages I've with, with Pastor Roger, and, you know, we've had classes, you've got to have bullet points, you've got to do this, you've got to do, you know, to have a good message. And I agree with all that. I don't know how many I'm breaking today. I don't know. Because I just feel that God said, this is, the way, this is what I once said. And however it comes out, you know, all those things are good, but I want my word spoken today. So, okay, now, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about, everybody knows the message of the prodigal son, right? Who hasn't heard that message? Spoken many, many times. Let's look what we got. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, now this is a prodigal son, he's finally come to his senses and said, hey man, I'm, I'm dying here. i got to get back to my father. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That is, I, I don't know how many times I've heard that preached. It's an awesome parable. And which one of us that if we had children, I've done it. I've had my son call, say, hey, I'm going to be at the Pittsburgh airport at such and such time. I'm flying in from Georgia, Okinawa, wherever. I need a ride home. Which one of us wouldn't say, what time are you landing? I'll be there. All of us would. There's not one of us that if we had a child out there coming in that we wouldn't do whatever. Even if I had to take vacation from work, I'm going to go get my son. This is a beautiful story of repentance, of forgiveness, of restoration. What this story means. But if we was a Middle Eastern person and grew up in the Middle East, this would also be a story of humiliation. This would also be a story of a shameful act. I'm going to let that sink in a little bit. Now, who do you think I'm talking about? If you're thinking I'm talking about the Son, you're wrong. I'm talking about the Father. And now we also know, I just want to touch that while we also know that, that this is a picture of God the Father is the Father, 
and the prodigal son is us. Okay. So let's look at this uh, other Scripture here. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Ran's a problem. If we was in a Middle Eastern culture, ran is a problem. Remember how they dressed. That father was dressed just like that. So why is somebody running a problem? Wouldn't be a problem for us, would it? I mean, do we see any issues if that was us running? But here's the thing. In the first century, how let's see. In the first century, however, a Middle Eastern man never, never ran. If he were to run, he would have to hitch up his tunic so he would not trip. If he did this, it would show his bare legs. In that culture, it was humiliating and shameful for a man to show his bare legs. Just the same reason Michelle was mad at David for doing what he did. The father in his parable did the same exact thing. He humiliated him. He shamed him. So there's a question. If it was shameful for a man to run in that culture, why did the father run when his son returned to him? What motivated him to shame himself before we answer this question, we have to understand the importance of first century Jewish custom. So, why is a man willing to shame himself for his son? It's very simple if you know Jewish culture. And it is a beautiful picture. Let's see. So why did the father run? He probably ran in order to get to his son before he entered the village. The father runs and shames himself in that effort to get to his son before the community gets to him so that his son does not experience the shame and humility of their taunting and rejection. The village would have followed. The running father would have witnessed what took place at the edge of the village between father and son after this emotional reunion of the prodigal son with his father. It is clear that there would be no kezah ceremony. There would be no rejection, rejecting his son despite what he has done, the son had repented and returned to his father. The father had taken the full shame that should have been fallen upon his son and clearly shown the entire community that his son was welcomed back home. Who else do we know that took our shame our humiliation 
upon Himself. I mean, it brings a whole new light to the Scripture. It says, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what the Father says. You see, Father God loved us so much that He humiliated Himself. He shamed Himself. So that we wouldn't have to go through that. That we wouldn't have to bear the consequences of our sin. So what is a kazaa? Kazaa. It is, if, if the Father would have got up and got to the Son before the elders of the village would have got to Him, they would have took a pot. They would have threw it on the ground and broke it and yelled, Kazar, Zara, or however. That meant that His relationship was broken off from that village, from His Father, and from His religion. He was totally rejected by that whole village. But because the Father got there before the elders, and they saw the the reunion, they saw the love of the Father, they saw the compassion of the Father, that didn't take place. So, how far are we willing to go? I got a. It, it's a funny little story. It wasn't funny at the time, but you know. And now you got to understand. I've been in cleansing stream training. I've been to multiple uh, retreats. You know, there was always a thing. You know, they believe in praying in the spirit, but they say, you know, keep it under wraps because there may be people there that don't believe in praying in the spirit. They may not believe in that. So, you know, just pray under your breath. Don't be loud about it. So I've been trained under that. And I've walked in that. It's been several years ago. Uh, we was visiting my brother-in-law. And he said, he, he has a new, he said, I, I found this new church. It's great. It's awesome. I want to take you to it. I said, fine, great. I'm up for that. So we walk in. The pastor comes by. My brother-in-law introduced me. Hi, this is my brother-in-law, Glenn and Janetta. He's a pastor. We shake hands. He says, hi, nice to meet you. Glad you came. He went up to the... Started, he was praising worship leader, like Pastor Roger. He started, he started praising worship. He preached a message. Uh, during that time, like announcement time, he said, my wife's not here because we got one of our children are sick. So she's home with that child. So after everything was said and done, uh, I wanted to, because he, it was a powerful message, I wanted to walk up and say, man, what a great message. Glad we came. So I walk up there and my wife comes up with me and we finally get him separated from everybody else. We say, man, what a great message. Would you mind if I pray for your, you know, for your sick daughter? Yeah, no problem. So I start praying I'm praying, I'm praying, and you know, I'm binding, I'm loosening. My wife's behind him with her hand on his back. And the next thing I know, I'm praying in tongues. 
And a voice in my head said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. And so I, I, I look at my wife, and she's praying in tongues. And I'm thinking, I just met this guy. I had a t- uh, 10, 15 second introduction, and here I, I don't know nothing about his background or nothing. And here I am praying in, <laughs> I'm praying in tongues with my hands on this guy. Now, he's a big guy. He played pro ball. I mean, he's offensive lineman. He was big. Thinking, well, if he don't kill me, this must be God. So I continued until I stopped. And then it ended the prayer, and he said, thank you, and, and we went our way. And I never heard anything like Nathan never said, hey, I can't take you back there. But see, that was a default system in me that I didn't even know I had. I didn't plan on that because my training said don't do that. But once I got started, it just popped up. And I was like, and I, literally, when I tell you, I said, what are, when I heard the words, what are you doing in my head, I was, I was having a conversation with myself. That's no lie. But so, that's what we need to get to. And now there are some other default systems I need to work on. You know, because, hey, we're raised, we, you know, we, we go through some stuff. So that's, my, that's, my, that's half of it anyway. So I think we're doing good on time. The other half is sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves in a major powerful way, it can be real messy. Let's look at this. Now this is a story about Mary. Uh, the ain't, Gabriel has come to her, said she's going to have a baby. And so at the time Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth, okay, I want to stop right there for a second because I thought I had another scripture uh, where it said the angel said, "Oh yeah, by the, you know he's telling her that she's going to be the mother of the son of God." Oh yeah, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant and she's been pregnant for six months. Okay, so now we're back to this story. So. Mary enters, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord shall come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears? The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises in, to her. Okay, now, let's, let's look at this picture. And, and ladies, I want to talk to you all, and then I'm going to be talking to the men for a second. Okay, Gabriel comes, says you're going to have a baby. He says, I'm a virgin, I've never been with a man, how is this going to happen? So he explains it to her. Can you imagine what was going through her mind at that at that moment? Because when she said, let it be, once again, we're talking about the culture of the time, she could have been killed. Because they'd have stoned her. Because, because if you're engaged to a man, now I, I read in, in the culture, 
while you're engaged, if, if you come together and get pregnant, in the Jewish culture that's fine because they consider you, if you're engaged, you're almost like you're already married. But if you get pregnant by somebody else while you're engaged, then that's a huge problem. So, Mary decides, after she uh, hears this message, she says shortly thereafter she got ready and, and left. Now, let's understand something. From where Mary was at and where Elizabeth is at is about between 80 to 90 miles. So she went on an 85 mile walk to get from where she was at to where Elizabeth was at. So, they didn't have cell phones. Uh, Elizabeth probably didn't know she was coming. But as soon as Elizabeth heard Mary say, Hello, Elizabeth! She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she started reading Mary's mail. You're pregnant. You're pregnant with the Son of God. Why am I so gracious that you would come to me? So why did Mary make an 85-mile walk? Can you imagine what was, like I said, can you imagine what was going through her mind? And I don't think it was no happenstance that Gabriel happened to say, oh yeah, by the way, Elizabeth is pregnant too. If anybody could on, it, on the planet at that time could understand what Mary was going through, it would be Elizabeth because she was way past childbearing age. If anybody could understand a miracle at that point in time, it was Elizabeth because she just had a miracle happen to her. So there's no doubt she went for some counseling because she's an older, I mean, Zacharias the priest, you know, hey, what did I just get myself into? Did I imagine it? Did I dream it? Am I going crazy? What's going on here? And it says, uh, I think I got 56 up there. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I think that Mary was receiving counsel. But Mary also wanted to see the miracle baby before she left. Because Elizabeth was somewhere in that six months. And Mary stayed almost three months. So if you say three, three and six is nine. You'd be given birth. I mean, ladies, what lady in your right mind if you've got a cousin that's just, you, you've been there with her for three months and she's ready to give birth, that you don't want to see that baby? You want to see the miracle to even add more concrete to your faith. Okay, here's where the real mess comes in. Okay, you've been gone for three months. We'll just say three months. So you come back to Nazareth. Joseph is more than happy to see you because he hasn't seen you. He runs up to Mary, gives her a huge hug, maybe a kiss on the cheek. says, whoa, Mary, you gained some weight? Joseph, darling, we got to have a talk. 
I'm three months pregnant. Word says that uh, Joseph was pretty upset. You imagine. So, that's kind of a messy situation, isn't it? Would, would uh, any of us, okay, if, if we had the right to say, okay, how's Jesus going to come into the world? Would we have uh, picked the most messiest way that we could think of to get Him here? Or would we have had a royal family with great upbringing and great lineage and, and that's how He's going to come? Or would we have picked a, a virgin because Isaiah mentioned it would we have picked a virgin, but somebody wasn't engaged, somebody that, that, that you know, was kind of out in the country, and, oh wow, you got pregnant? How'd that happen? Shame on you. But no, God didn't pick any of them easy solutions. He picked the toughest there was. See, the Holy Spirit sometimes confesses. You know, uh, I want to talk about Dutch cheese. Everybody here knows Dutch Pete, right? Giving 15, all that. Uh, I, he has talked about it several times. He talked about the Jesus movement, I guess it was in the 70s, in California. I didn't know nothing about it because back at that time, my world revolved around green army men and Tonka trucks. So, I had to listen to him. So what it was, was... The Holy Spirit was poured out. Hippies getting saved. Coming to church. And of course, they wasn't clean. They didn't smell good. They may have been dirty. They may have been muddy. So they was coming to this church. And the elders come to the pastor and says, Hey, you got to do something about this. They're coming in here dirty. They're coming in here muddy. We just put new carpet down. They're going to ruin the new carpet. So the pastor said, okay, I'll take care of it. So everybody went home. The elders were the religious people. Came back at Sunday. And the pastor ripped out all the new carpet in the church. No problem now. We don't have to worry about ruining the carpet. It's gone. See, that's kind of messy. Do you think they was happy about their new carpet being ripped out, thrown in the trash? I don't think. But you see, sometimes it gets. Let's talk about Acts. Another messy moment. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and address the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you propose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoke of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says He will pour out His Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. In those days they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it, right? Okay. Now, this is kind of a messy situation. Now I look, and there's some people that says that uh, when this happened, they, they might have been in the synagogue because that's where they spent all their time. Uh, when I read it in the Bible, it said they was in a house. Now I don't think they're going to make a mistake. If, if they was in the temple, I would think the Bible would say they was in the temple. But they said they was in a house. Okay. They're in the house. The Holy Spirit comes. It creates such a disturbance that people in the street are stopping and taking notice. They're wondering, what in the world is going on? What's happening here? Aren't these Galileans and we're hearing our language and all kinds of languages? So Peter got up. Now, whether he was sitting down, he might have been laying on the ground prostrate before the Lord, who knows? He had to stand up. And, and if they're in a the house, how do these people know on a busy street? How do they know that there was a disturbance, that there was something, that there was a party going on? How did they know? So it, I believe it was, the Holy Spirit fell in such a way that it was unmistakable. If you was anywhere around, you know, hey, there's something strange going on here. I felt that the Lord was also telling me another thing, and I've talked to Pastor Roger about this, and he has said that you know the Lord is really changing him. He's moving into different, uh, stepping into you know more prophetic, and, and and things are changing, you know. And I felt that the Lord was saying He's been seasoning our messages for a long time, and He's been. Uh, bring that back up where it first starts about he's, this is what was talked about in the show. And I think here recently he's really been seasoning the message. Because everybody I talked to, man, what a great message. Man, the Lord was moving. The Spirit was moving. Man, it was great. It was awesome. What does that say? In the last days, God says He will sprinkle out His Spirit on all people. For he will shake out his spirit on all people. It says four. So what happens when we go from sprinkling to pouring? What happens when we walk out of this church building and there's people on Monroe Street, there's people on the sidewalks wondering what in the world is going on in that church? What happens when the Holy Spirit falls? Azusa Street, there was people getting off a train a quarter of a mile away from the building that was taking place and they was falling out in the Spirit. As soon as they stepped off the train, stepped feet on concrete, bang, they was going out in the Spirit. What are we going to say? Of course, you're going to have the mockers. Oh, they're drunk. They, it must have been Communion Sunday. They had too much communion wine. Then there's going to be people like, man, what in the world is going on? I, I hear noises coming out of that building that I've never heard before. What is going on? 
You see, I think that's what God's getting us prepared for. When they're on, on, the, on the front porch here trying to look through our stained glass windows, what in the world is going on? I hear noises. I hear things that I've never heard before. What is going on? That's what it means when the Holy Spirit is being poured out. That it means it isn't going to look the way... It ain't going to look the way we think. If you think it's going to look like Azusa Street, if you think it's going to look like Brown that happened Brownsville or wherever it happened in Florida, if you think it's going to look like the Welsh Revival, if you think it's going to look like any revival that's taken, uh, the Toronto Revival, I felt God tell me, I'm not pouring new wine in an old wineskin. It's going to be new. It's going to be different. You're never going to... This earth has not seen the, the outpouring that He is getting ready to do. This isn't a West Virginia outpouring. This isn't a United States outpouring. This is a worldwide outpouring. And, and, and why do I say it's going to look like something we've never seen before? Pastor Lori hit on it. With the different generations. They don't think the way we think. So are we going to, when God starts pouring out His Spirit, are we going to say, oh, that, that, uh, that don't work for me? You can't, you can't do that, God. This is the way you got to do it. Or is He going to pour out His Spirit and He's going to draw the millenniums, He's going to Gen Z and all them, and they're going to come flooding in our doors because God is touching them. You know, I talked about pieces of the puzzle. Pastor Roger one Sunday spoke about. Are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it God's way? The next Sunday was about expectation. That, you know, we're coming out of COVID and we, now we need to have some expectation. Another one was about unbelief, wore down, confidence. And we are in a new beginning. We are in a new era, people. The question is. As a church, not only leaders, everybody that's set here, are we ready? Are we ready to move with God? Are we ready to do whatever it takes? Are we ready to humiliate ourselves, shame ourselves, so that we will bring souls to God? Are we willing to say, man, this don't look like nothing I've ever seen. I don't even know if I really like this. But if you know, you know, you know that it's a move of the Holy Spirit, who are you to get in the way? So today we're going to have some people come down. To the ones that are come down to pray would come on down and pray. If today the Lord has given you anything that has been holding you back, that has been restraining you, you may even like it. You may even think it's your friend. But God says it's time for it to go. Today's your day. Today's the day that we can break off the chains, just like the song said. We can break the chains off. And we can become what we need to become to usher in what God has planned for City Church in this world. And... Uh,
if you need further prayer, we got people down here to pray for you. Uh, if not, we got some goodies uh, over there uh, in the fellowship area. So I invite you to come get some cookies, some cakes, and some apples, and some bananas, and uh, to release. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen? Good morning. I learned a lot. How about you? You're dismissed. See you next week.